0: Welcome to the Find Your Best Future podcast. This is the podcast that helps international families make great decisions when it comes to choosing university courses. Well, today we are very fortunate to have Sarah Roberts join us. Uh, She is a senior international recruitment officer for South Asia and the Middle East at Imperial College London and very appropriately, I'm located in the Middle East today. I know regular listeners will know that I am normally in Vienna, Austria, but today I'm actually in my hotel room in Abu Dhabi. So welcome, Sarah. Perhaps you'd like to say a little bit about yourself and a very quick intro to your university.
1: Great, thank you so much, Jeremy. Hi, everybody, and uh, as Jeremy just introduced, yes, I'm one of the senior international recruitment officers at Imperial College for South Asia and the Middle East, part of a fantastic international team here, and I get to spend my time supporting students, parents, counsellors kind of nag- navigate the, the application process of applying to, to a university like Imperial College London. Um, really excited to talk a little bit more about Imperial. Um, a, a very brief introduction to the university. So we were founded in 1907 and we are a very unique university in the UK. We are a specialist institution offering programmes in Natural sciences, engineering, medicine, and we now have our first undergraduate business program, which is really, really exciting. But we are unique because we we do focus in the STEM B area, and that is what our bread and butter really is in terms of the courses that we offer.
0: Now, I know from talking to many, many uh, university recruitment, university admissions officers that they are always very proud of the institution that they work for, and, and very positive and very engaged, um, but. What is it that you personally love most about Imperial?
1: I mean, it's such a big question. And um, with a university like Imperial, there are so many amazing things um, about being part of that community. But I'm honestly so in awe of all the research and engagement that the students are undertaking, even from an undergraduate level, the, the way that students approach things, the community, that STEM community that is fostered on campus, really is so inspiring and and it's such a fantastic community to to be a part of.
0: Can you describe the university's location? Like, where is it?
1: Yes, so so London's a, a huge city and, and it is great to kind of try and imagine where it is. So our campus is in South Kensington. So we're in the, the southwest part of London. Um, our campus is on the border of Hyde Park. We're nestled in between the Royal Albert Hall, where all Imperial students will graduate from, uh, next to the Natural History Museum, the Science Museum, the Victoria and Albert, so a really fantastic area for, for students to kind of start that, that life in London potentially if they're coming from elsewhere and a really beautiful uh, part of London to, to be a student in.
0: And knowing London well I assume it's well connected with transport, public transport
1: Absolutely. In terms of bus links, we have a range of different bus connections outside the campus. Um, We also have, we're positioned on two tube lines, so the Piccadilly line and the district line. So no matter where you want to get to, if you want to go to the airport or into central London, it's really well connected for, for those areas.
0: Now this is going to seem like a very British question, but what's the weather like
1: I love that question. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd love to show the audience now that the sky is blue right now, but it, it is changeable. And I think especially when I'm speaking to students um, in South Asia, in the Middle East, it is colder it, it, in many parts and it is more changeable. So always advising students to, to bring layers, bring a waterproof um, layer. Um, but yeah, it is that definitely an adjustment for, for students coming from from various countries around the world.
0: This is one of the things that I talk to my high school students about, because some of them actually have no clue what British weather is like, and I I jokingly say Britain is not a tropical island, so get yourself a warm waterproof coat. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. um, I mean, Imperial College London, I know, is one of the uh, state-run, government-funded universities, um, uh, which is sort of pretty much standard, I think, for almost all universities in the UK. Um, I assume then it's a not-for-profit organization.
1: That's correct.
0: Yeah, good. Okay, shall we talk a little bit about the facilities? Because this is really going to interest our listeners. Perhaps you could talk about the, the teaching spaces, the libraries, the laboratories, all those sort of things
1: absolutely so on our main campus which is where students will be spending 75 to 90 percent of their time depending on how hard they they want to study but in terms of the facilities it really is world leading. And because we are STEM specialists, that is where our facilities um, really have been developed um, to industry standard. We have a four storey carbon capture plant on on campus for our chemical engineers. We have flight simulators for our aeronautic students. We have um like uh, wave machines, wind turbines, really encouraging students to make the most of the workshop space, metalwork, woodwork facilities for prototyping, aerodrome for building, testing drones. We are wanting our students to take what they are learning in a uh, a lecture or a seminar and really implement that into the real world. And I think that's such a great thing that from the first year at Imperial, you will be doing that project work and and translating what you've learned into reality. Um, So our facilities are geared for students to be moving into that realm from the first year.
0: Now, I think it's worth pointing out it's very important for students to maintain a healthy work-life balance. And British universities have a huge array of clubs and societies and hobbies in the sort of the non-academic area to to allow students that little bit of sort of downtime, relaxed time, fun time, whatever you like to call it. Can you tell us what Imperial has to offer in that area?
1: I'm so glad you asked this question because, you know, being a world leading institution we do get a lot of questions around the academics and students work incredibly hard to make sure that they can get into an institution like Imperial and one of the questions that I do get asked on the road is do Imperial students actually have fun and it makes me (laughs) laugh every time because our students really know how to balance um, and enjoy life at university and it's such a crucial part um, of university life and i'm so proud to say we have over 375 clubs and societies over 90 sports societies everything from american football football leagues cricket cheerleading uh, windsurfing students getting their pilots license the facilities um you know whether We have partnerships with the Royal College of Music, you know, music rooms, orchestras, Bollywoods, uh, cultural clubs and societies. Imperial community really imitates the city that it's in, which is incredibly vibrant and diverse, Um, you know, the central uh, clubs and societies really allow for students to let off steam and, and to, to balance their life. And it's such an important part. And when speaking to students, it's, it's not only how a university can support you academically, it's how it can support you in your skills and interests outside of the academics, because that's where a lot of the fun and, and networking is also going to develop.
0: Would you say it's true that uh, I mean, there's a sort of a theory about this, that those students who actually find that balance between dividing their time between academic study and sort of I know sports, hobbies, societies often end up being academically more successful than those who just have their nose buried in a laptop 100 percent of their time?
1: You're so that's such a great thing to say. And I, you really notice it because it is one of those skills and qualities that you do develop at university and it's something that we look for is that ability to kind of manage the workload, to be able to appreciate that learning doesn't just come from in a classroom, but it comes from the people that you're meeting, the network that you're building. And I think, you know, that's such a great way to look at it and I, I do say to students that. Whatever university you're joining, you're using that university like a springboard and you can jump as, as kind of high as you're kind of willing to put the effort in. And I think such an, an important part of that life is utilizing the services, the, the, um, the social side of the university, because that is that is part of the package. But I understand that for students transitioning into higher education, where we are focused on the lectures and the and the workshops. But it's so important to think, okay, universities. Will offer all of this. What else can they bring me? And you know, the social clubs and societies, the robotics, the things that you can take part in outside of that, and really elevate what you're doing. It's so exciting, and I, I always encourage students to really, you know, scratch the surface on the institutions and what else am I going to be able to get involved in?
0: Now, some universities have more than one campus, perhaps two campuses in the same city, or, or maybe in, in a different city. Um, how does Imperial manage this? Do you have more than one campus in London?
1: So we have our main campus, which is the South Kensington campus, um, where the undergrad most undergraduate students will be based for the majority of their time. We have a newer campus, which is the White City campus, where a lot of the research, the um, invention labs uh, where students can go and prototype um ideas, uh, the woodwork, metalwork. It's a very futuristic campus to be a part of, slightly to um, a little bit more to the west of the city. and there's a shuttle bus between the two campuses. Um, and this is where, you know, networking, inventions, that whole kind of science futuristic um, feel really can be found at the White City campus. But the majority of time for undergraduates, that their, their class time, their labs, their lectures, workshopping will be in on the main campus in uh, South Kensington.
0: Now, uh, moving on to, to your students and lecturers. Um, Are your students mainly British or are they mainly uh, from other countries? Uh,
1: Another great, great question. So one of the fantastic things about Imperial. So we are one of the most international universities in the world. So 62 percent of our students come from outside of the UK, uh, very much, again, mirroring the amazing city of London that we're in, that diverse community, students from around the world, so over 140 countries that are represented at Imperial. And very similarly, the staff as well, the, the research that's, that's going on and the, the collaboration um, and and partnerships of our staff so it's a really important part of that community is that our staff our students are a global network and that adds to to what students are able to experience um, as part of the community
0: Um, does your does your university have some formal partnership with with other universities around the world
1: absolutely i think it's such a again such an important part when you're thinking about um being you know, taking part in a world leading institution. It's it's about those collaborations. So we have partnerships with, um, universities in the US, like um, MIT, uh, Carnegie Mellon, we have uh, Canada, UBC, our students are doing years abroad in in these universities. But the partnerships we've just um, won this year that's been established is ISC Bangalore. Uh, We have students who are going, uh, doing years abroad at ETH Zurich, all around the world, these partnerships are developed, and I think universities strengthen themselves by creating and forging these these research partnerships and, and collaborations. Um, and a- again, for students, undergraduate students to be able to take part. Uh, of this and and see the benefits of this is things like years abroad where you do these exchanges, you get the chance to to experience what studying engineering or or, or chemistry is like in a different country. And again, building that network and those partnerships through research are incredibly important. And we're we're so lucky to have partnerships and and exchanges with so many world leading institutions. And it's it's fantastic for students to be able to take part of that.
0: I think it's worth pointing out to the listeners that top-ranked top, top ranked universities always have partnerships with other top-ranked universities in other countries, and, and clearly Imperial is, is a very top university. Um, as I've mentioned the word rankings, I suppose I should ask you, is Imperial ranked in in the rankings? <laughs>
1: So yeah, that, I mean, we, we do incredibly well in the in the rankings and it, I'm so proud again to to see all the things that, uh, that the rankings that are available. I think Imperial has been named the universe, Guardian's University of the Year. We are in fifth place um, in the Guardian. Uh, we've been commended for the, the, the career prospects and for the highest levels of student satisfaction for teaching in England, um, which is, it is fantastic. But I'm always... Cautious about throwing too many rankings and things because I know students are incredibly overwhelmed by the numbers of of rankings, and each institution can impress with a wide array. And and I'm always encouraging students to to really look in detail at, at the rankings that are important to them. You know, what am I looking to gain from a ranking? Because there's so much more. And, and you know, each institution could talk about being in the top 10 and top five. And I know it's so overwhelming to think about, well, I, I want to be in the top 10, but it, I always encourage students really look at, you know, what's important. Is it research? Is it student satisfaction? Is it the, the, the teaching style? Um Because, Again, using a university for the for the facilities and 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 really, if you just look at the rankings, you get such a kind of narrow picture of of what a university can offer and, and where you can potentially excel. Um, so I could talk forever about you know the the fantastic rankings, but it's so there's so much for students to be looking at and and I really encourage them to kind of do that research and really think about what's important for them with with rankings
0: i did talk forever on this topic actually sarah um we we made a podcast episode on rankings so listeners if you're interested to find out how rankings work and how you should approach using them then please go go and check our episode on that topic because as you say it's, it's, it's a huge topic and there's no end of different opinions on it can you give us a quick overview of the courses that your university offers
1: yeah, so as I mentioned, we are a STEM B focused university. So for undergraduates, we have over 110 different courses within the realm of STEM. So, something that I really like to mention, you know, even further, you know, we take this specialism to the next level. When students come to study engineering with us, we have 10 distinct engineering departments. So, everything from chemical, mechanical, um, through to things like materials. Um, earth science and engineering, uh, civil uh, through to things like computing and design engineering. Um, With that specialism, our students, undergraduate students, will have a specific passion for an area of engineering. Now, some universities in the UK will have more of a general engineering um, programme in the first year, and then you can specialise as you uh, progress through the degree with our engineering and with our natural sciences programmes, with our medicine, it is very specialist. So students will have a clear passion, interest and focus in an area of engineering when they are looking to do their application. So, and this is echoed in our natural sciences programme, whether that be chemistry, chemistry with a year abroad or with management or with uh, medicinal chemistry it's it really we really attract the students who are interested in the realm of stem and have that keen focus uh, for a particular area um, our newest program that is um, starting in October uh, next year is our economics finance and data science program so this is our newest um, course at Imperial and it's hi- highly awaited um, offered through Imperial Business School and 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 is that that fusion of um, the disciplines of economics, finance and data science really implementing what you're kind of taking away from mathematics and and kind of critically engaging with the world um, in those uh, disciplines.
0: It sounds very interesting because I know from conversations I have with, with my own students that, that many of them are looking for a sort of a, a broader, more diverse program, which will give them skills in, in many different areas. And it seems like that course will do just uh, what they're looking for. Um, are there any courses that international students cannot study? And I, I think that there, there is a, a cap or a limit on a number of non-British students who are able to study medicine. Is that correct?
1: That is correct. So that is the only course where there is a limit to the amount of international students and that is a government cap at 7.5%. So roughly for the Imperial cohort, that's about 24 international students a year. This is the only course where there is a limit. All of our other courses are open to international students on an equal basis as uh, the UK students. As I mentioned, 62% of our students actually come from outside of the UK, but medicine is the one where there is that cap.
0: Uh, When your students graduate, uh, presumably they end up with a bachelor's degree or do many of them tend to go on and do a master's degree or perhaps a PhD?
1: So for many of our courses, especially in engineering, there we have the integrated masters. So for the the Bachelors uh, of Science, um, which is offered for, for, for all of our programs, or the Bachelors of Engineering, which is the three year program. But many of our students do continue and do the integrated master. So that four year program. So you graduate with a a master's of engineering or a master's of science um, through through that integration, it accelerates, you know, that process Um, you can apply for this, you know, from in UCAS through that the, um, the undergraduate um, route there um, and many students do continue into areas of, of research into their PhDs from this progression after doing those, those integrated masters.
0: Now I always encourage my students to, to look at programs that, that offer extras like um, an internship, a job placement, uh, often referred to as a sandwich course in the UK. Uh, do you offer these at Imperial?
1: So for some of our courses, we do have things like years abroad, years in industry, um, years with management. Um, So this is something that's not for every course, but for some of our courses, one of the the courses that I love to talk about is design engineering. This has a six month paid placement integrated into the course, um, and so from that you are gaining that paid experience during your degree. And we we do make sure that you're not just making teas and coffees in your in your placement. You are contributing to the work culture. You are engaging in one, if not two. Um, projects whilst you're working there. And I believe one of our students just completed their um, their internship, uh, their, their placement at Formula One. So it's, you know, companies like Google, Facebook, that there, we have these connections. And, and absolutely, it is a great way to get that industry experience as part of your degree. And many of our students then secure the graduate um, employment after completing that, it's 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 building that network. You know, um, there are also those those kind of research opportunities, so undergraduate research opportunities internationally and in the UK for students who are kind of thinking, okay, would a PhD be something for me? Uh, would a career in research be something? And it's it's a great way to figure out Whether it is the right thing. Some students come in thinking, oh, I'd I'd really love to get involved in research. And then after their placement, think, okay, actually, I think an industrial placement would be more for me. So it's all about trying as much as you can throughout your university life and then securing that job at the end of it.
0: It's something I always point out to my students that that, uh, these placement years or half years are. uh, real work real jobs you're not there to make tea and do photocopying and i, I think that's the important point to make um but so sort of, if we can talk a little bit about the teaching style um some students prefer a, a more formal sort of lecture based style of teaching some would rather go more for a problem-based learning um how is it uh, taught at imperial
1: Yeah, it's a great question and it's something that again, we're always encouraging students to think about how they really like to learn. Um, For us, it is more of that that problem-based learning. Our students are taking what they they learn and implementing that into the real world through workshops, through labs, moving away from uh, the large lectures and large seminars and into more uh, group work, project work, problem solving, problem sheets. And and that kind of collaboration, Uh, the field of, of science and engineering is, as you'll know, is is not one that is often done alone. You engineers, you know, scientists, they work together. It is part of that collaboration. And what Imperial is incredibly strong at is is making students ready for the world of work, for the world of research. And 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 that starts as early as possible. So it is more of that practical project research led. Uh, form of teaching at at the university.
0: And how are students assessed? Are they assessed as sort of ongoing assessment as they progress through their three or four years, or is it sort of an end of course exam type of assessment?
1: Yeah, so it will vary depending on the course, but there are varieties of, of ways that students are assessed, whether that be through... Um, examinations on various modules. Others will be more project and presentation based. I think a great thing is building up the skills. When you go to, you know, work in um, large scale firms, you may need to present your ideas to in meetings and to uh, your peers. So the way that you're assessed at Imperial is not only just through, you know, those, those formal written examinations, but also through um, working as a team, presenting your ideas, uh, prototyping ideas and and that kind of um, assessment as well. It will vary depending on on the degree that you're studying, but it won't be one set um, way throughout the degree and it will be kind of continuous depending on the modules that you're taking.
0: Now, when when talking about um, students applying to a a very top university like Imperial College London, students often talk to me about how they can sort of make themselves as attractive as possible to the admissions team. Um, And obviously you have a, a very clear idea about the sort of attributes that a successful applicant will have, because. You, you want students to be successful while they're at Imperial. So you, you, you sort of know approximately what sort of profile of student you are looking to recruit. Perhaps you could share a few ideas around this uh, this thought.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the uh, prospective Imperial students who are looking to apply really do have a keen love Passion and interest for what they're studying. Um, the students that we see uh, applying and, and being successful will have taken what they're learning in their IB, in their A levels, in the national curriculum, and they will be taking it a step further. Grades, uh, you know, great grades are, are are important, and that's the kind of first step. But Imperial students do take things to the next level, and and what. Um, UK universities are, are talking more and more about is super curricular activities. If you're applying to a competitive UK institution, our academics are wanting to see how you've demonstrated that interest in the subject that you're applying for and, and, and taken it to the next level. Now, I get questions about, OK, do I need to have work experience? I've, I've worked at five top companies. Will this give me a better chance of getting in? The answer is not necessarily. It's about the reflection of your experiences. Some students that we see just have a real passion for research and they love reading journal articles around a a specific area. uh, And and they want to kind of investigate things further, maybe doing a personal research project. Others have demonstrated their passion um, in STEM by giving back to the community. Um, STEM is a tradition, traditionally male-dominated field. We've seen a lot of um, engineers and scientists giving back to to younger students, encouraging younger female students to get involved in STEM and and demonstrating this passion uh, for their subject by talking to younger peers and and things like that. Uh, When we talk about supercurricular activity, it doesn't need to cost money. I think, you know, students sometimes approach me and say, I I can't afford to do a a summer school program. Will this hinder my application? And the answer is no, you you, you're not required to do a summer school. But we do want to see why you're passionate about that subject, because if you're not passionate and, and demonstrating that that interest, chances are you wouldn't enjoy life at Imperial. Um, because our students do have that that keen love and it comes from listening to podcasts about a particular area a TED talk from you know an engineer who's inspired in in the field of robotics uh, problem solving you know some students just really love the application of mathematics Uh, the probability of their their favorite uh, football player scoring a goal you know the um the, the key thing for Imperial applicants is the focus of super curricula. Whilst when you join the community, extracurricular, the sporting achievements, all of that fun is part of the community. When we're figuring out you know, who to make offers to, who to invite to interview, we want to see that academic focus and, and how you've demonstrated your interest. And that really can come from a variety of different ways
0: now there there are a couple of words you use there which which really resonate with me you use the word passion clearly students have to have a passion for the course for which they are applying Uh, but you also use the word uh, they have to be reflective and this is something i I say to my students that it's not just a question of having an ever longer list of activities which you've done uh, but you actually have to reflect on on how you benefited, what you learned, what the challenges were, how you overcame them. And and I think that all of those things are are very relevant to make an application, well, to any British university, but especially to a top one like Imperial. And for the the listeners, um, it's worth pointing out that when you apply to a British university, you'll be writing something called a personal statement. And this is really where you can talk about all of these things. What kind of academic support is offered to the students and indeed what what kind of social emotional support do you offer at Imperial?
1: So that's a, a great question and in terms of both the Academic and personal well-being support. There is a huge range that is available to students on campus. So you'll hear UK universities talking about um, mothers and fathers, um, or aunts (laughs) and uncles, or cousins. And it's not we're trying. We're not trying to replace your parents or you know your guardians permanently, but we want to make sure that students have that transition. Whether that be the academic, you know, the personal tutors, the the academic you can go to. If you are struggling with a research project or struggling with an idea, someone that you will meet with termly to talk about those ideas, any, um, any points you need kind of uh, feedback or reflection over. But you also have the more senior students, the, the mothers and fathers, the, the aunts and uncles, to to give you the tips and tricks to talk to you on a peer-to-peer level about their experiences. The transition from, you know, school, high school into university is an adjustment for anyone, you know, let alone if you're moving countries and things like that. So it's really important that the support on campus is there for you academically with the personal tutors, the department tutors. But also on their the health and well-being, the disability advisory team, um, health and uh, mental health, the counselling services, the drop-in sessions—they're all available on campus if you are struggling. Uh, my key advice to any student going to any university is: please don't suffer in silence. Mm-hmm. The support. And and there's so much focus on, on wellness and making sure that students are able to cope and to balance. And it is a transition for all students. I think one of the things that... I speak to current students a lot to try and understand what it's like to be an imperial student. And, you know, one of the things that students adjust to is that imposter syndrome. You know, you've been such a, you know, you've been a top student your whole life at school and you've really excelled. And then you come to a university where everybody's the top student. Everybody's, you know, got, the you know, these grades and a are passionate. And they kind of think, how, you know, how have I got here? This is, you know, do I belong? And the thing is, everybody is feeling it and the the support is there, you know, for, you know, mental health, wellness, meditation, that the support is there on campus. It's reaching out and making sure that you you get that support because you, you're not alone. It is something that students will be um, discussing and, and, and creating socials about um, in order to create that community. But it's just making sure that wherever you go, that you reach out for that support.
0: I think that's a very good point you make, that students shouldn't feel that they're in this um, on their own. They shouldn't isolate themselves. They should really reach out for support. And I think it's a point worth making that British universities do an excellent job in this respect, because they recognize that uh, these are young people, usually only 18 years of age, probably the first time away from home, and they do need that support. So if you're a parent listening to this, and I'm sure there are many parents out there, uh, rest assured, uh, your son or daughter will have that level of support. I know this because I'm a parent and I've sent both my sons away to British universities. Yeah. Um, health services. Um, are the health services available on campus?
1: Yep. So all Imperial students, um, once they join, uh, it's a very smooth process in terms of the health centre. So there'll be health centres near the accommodation that you're based in, but we also have a health centres centre and dentist on campus for students to access, um, for students who are looking to keep healthy, there's a gym on campus as well, Um, but yeah, all of those facilities available, um, and when you join, um, there's a a programme, the support, so for international students and home students, to help kind of guide you through this process, because it can be quite overwhelming to think of all these things, but we are well prepared to kind of help support you through getting those, those you registered.
0: Uh, do foreign students have to take out extra health insurance in order to be covered in the UK?
1: So that will be part of the, the visa process. So that is something that um, students will go through um, as part of, of, of issuing the visa
0: Okay. Uh, We talked earlier on about sports and, you know, all the the different clubs and societies and activities you have. Um, But students also like to party. I mean, are there opportunities for them to, you know, let their hair down and party a little bit at Imperial?
1: Absolutely. I mean, there's so many, you know, part of the, you know, the initial welcome week. There are things like boat parties, club nights. um, But there's also, I mean, we... We are in London. There's collaborations with other, you know, London universities it's utilizing that network. We don't just, you know, sit isolated, you know, in Kensington. We collaborate with, you know, the, the clubs and societies at, at UCL and LSE and SOAS. It is that network which is amazing. So you have access to to students from other students and clubs and societies. I know the... Um, Indian clubs and societies, they're always arranging. There's a huge um, kind of celebration of East meets West, which was one of the largest celebrations on campus of of Bollywood dancing and music. And and there's, you know, uh, the... The nightlife is extremely varied, no matter what you're kind of interested in, what music or how, you know, we have a a kind of movie night on campus as well. So new movies are shown in the the kind of uh, cinema room on campus. So for students, you know, I know that the computing clubs and societies do pizza nights and hackathons. Um, <laughs> anything with, anything with free, free food and free pizza is, is a way to get um, uh, students involved. But it's, there's a range of different ways which students um, have kind of that entertainment and it is so varied, um, whether that be the kind of games nights that, that students will put on or movie nights or club nights. It's so varied.
0: Uh, we're going to come on and talk about accommodation and food because, of course, that's an extremely important topic for all students. Um, just, but before we get to that, um, can you tell us about how you help students in those first few days, the first week, freshers week, settle in? Uh, do, do you have a meet and greet at the airport, for example? How do you support students getting getting their, their feet on the ground and getting used to actually being at Imperial?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, with with so many students who are coming from you know outside of the country, but also from ver- various parts of, of, of the UK, many students have never been to London before. So Welcome Week is really, you know, before term starts, is that opportunity for students to find their feet and it will be through, you know, the departments will organise their Welcome um Welcome events so you'll get to meet people on the course um, in um, in a kind of uh, a, a meet and greet event. Uh, a student accommodation will involve mixes so that you get the chance to kind of meet people throughout that week before um, before classes properly start. You have things like the freshers fairs, the welcome fairs, drop in sessions where you can um, get that support from student services. If you do have any issues at this point, drop in, um, finding, you know, part time jobs, it's all kind of step by step for students, because if you all of a sudden welcome and here's everything, it could be quite overwhelming. But the, the way that it starts at the beginning of term is designed to help students kind of find their feet gradually and meeting a wider and wider network as the week progresses before term starts.
0: Okay, Sarah, um, most British universities provide accommodation for the students. Um, Do you guarantee accommodation for your international students?
1: So for first year students, all uh, all first years are guaranteed accommodation. So Imperial accommodation in their first year, as long as they make us their firm choice in UCAS. So that is guaranteed for the first year. And we find that in that first year, over 90% of undergraduate students, international and um, home students, will be in Imperial accommodation. It is that great opportunity to experience university life to its fullest, the social events, the opportunity to meet people at a range of different courses and then in your second, third and potentially fourth year, if you're doing the integrated masters, we find that students usually move into private accommodation and we have what is called Imperial Home Solutions, who help with finding trusted landlords, helping with contracts, making sure that you feel secure in the private accommodation that you are going to be finding from that second year. Now, students can apply if they uh, if they wanted to stay in halls, they can apply. Um, some students become um, hall wardens, so more senior students who help um, support the, the first years. But more often than not, most students will find those friends on their course in the accommodation and move into private accommodation um, as supported by Imperial in their uh, subsequent years.
0: It's a good point you make about finding friends, because uh, I think that a lot of students make friends with those who just you know, live in the room next door or down the hallway. Uh, or perhaps those who join the same club or society or taking the same course. I'm actually still friends with someone I met that very first week. And I won't even tell you how many years ago that was. But it, it is it is a great way, to, great way to make friends. Um, another question we get asked quite often in, in school is, um, is the gender separated accommodation?
1: So for us, we don't. So in in the imperial accommodation, we don't have um gender-separated accommodation. Um, if if you were looking for a twin room, that would be separated by gender. But for us, we don't have the, the gender-separated accommodation um, itself. Um, but if students were looking at this, we could recommend private providers that would be able to support this um, in, in London.
0: Okay, next question is a rather sort of a wacky question, if you like, but are pet, are pets allowed in student accommodation?
1: Um, That's a great question. Um, So no, accommodation, uh, um, for kind of health and safety reasons, um, we're not able to to accept uh, or allow pets in, in the student accommodation.
0: Interestingly enough, I was visiting one of your partner universities, UBC, in Vancouver a few years ago, and they have a sort of a a -a rent-a-pet scheme, and we had a presentation by the gentleman who organized this scheme, and as soon as I came back to the school where I work and mentioned that UBC had pets, there was a, a huge uptick in interest people want to know what type of animals they could cuddle at the weekends. Uh, anyway, maybe Imperial could consider getting a, I don't know, a cat or a dog or something. But I suppose we, I suppose we should get back to a more serious matter. And what is more serious than where students are going to eat? I mean, how is the campus provided for cafeterias? Is there provision for vegans, vegetarians, all those sort of things?
1: Sure. So, the first thing to mention, and it is a unique thing for for Imperial uh, compared to some other universities. So all of our accommodation is self-catered. Um, I mentioned this because before you arrive, I recommend learning to cook at least one meal because this is going to help with budgeting. This is going to help with um, skills overall um, and, and making sure, you know, we find that some students will do like rotate different meal nights and they'll take turns to cook for each other. So coming to Imperial, you're building up those skill sets even further. And I do recommend learning to cook at least one, one meal. In terms of campus facilities, there's a range of different um, uh, meals, vegan, vegetarian. Again, one of the perks of being in London are the amount of um, mm-hmm. cultures that are, and, and restaurants that are around um with the campus cafeterias and facilities the food is discounted um every tuesday we have a farmers market um on campus local produce being sold uh, local bakers and, and and food stalls so it's a real um a real hub on campus with local um, produce there, vegan, vegetarian, um, meat, um, halal options, all available on campus um, to cater to any um, uh, dietary requirements. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a great place. It's just one of those things with budgeting, making sure that you're, you're kind of, you um, familiar with with kitchen utensils and how to how to how to make a meal in um, uh, to keep those costs down
0: it's good point I mean take out pizza's nice occasionally but but not seven days a week every week (laughs) it's it's probably not very good for your long-term health prospects either um last week actually only last week one of my Indian students asked me whether he could uh get indian food in london i sort of stifled a laugh (laughs) i said almost every village in the uk has an indian takeout restaurant london has i don't know probably tens of thousands at least Uh, so if you uh, are coming from abroad to study in the uk especially if you go to london like Sarah's just said you won't have any trouble at all getting your particularly your preferred food Now, Sarah, um, tuition fees, of course, the, the cost of higher education is, is a matter of keen interest to families. Um, can you explain how tuition fees work at Imperial or at British universities generally?
1: Absolutely. So, there's a, so for home students, there's a set fee um, each year for all courses. Um, But for international students, it does differ depending on the course that you are applying to. Now, at Imperial, this can vary between um, £35,000 to £45,000 a year. Um, And it's really important that when students are, are doing that research is that they do look at the individual courses and the fees, the tuition fee, the annual fee that is required for that course Um, and that is a a separate fee to the kind of uh, accommodation and and living costs that that would be um, needed as well.
0: I I think it's worth pointing out that since Brexit happened there there are now two categories of students at British universities as far as fees are concerned that's UK and Irish Republic citizens known as home students and everybody else who is an international student um you, you, you mentioned other costs like uh, housing costs um can you tell us approximately how much uh, your student accommodation costs
1: so it does vary and in terms of like uh, the overall living costs um so accommodation will um is is discounted for students um so it can be from as low as um £170 a week, and it and it does increase depending on the facilities, uh, whether you want an en suite, whether you how close you want to be to campus. Uh, Overall, in terms of budgeting, life in London, if you think about accommodation, food, the social costs, we predict that students should budget between 1300 to £1,500 per month. So that is to, to factor in the social cost, the accommodation and 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 life outside of, of the university.
0: I mean, are there opportunities for students to actually work when they're in the UK? Yeah,
1: absolutely. So as part of the student visa, um, international students are able to work up to 20 hours per week during term time. Now, they're allowed to work up to that time, but in terms of balancing work, life, the social commitments, we wouldn't recommend working more than 15 hours. But we do encourage students to get part-time jobs. Um, this can be on campus in uh, the the cafes or bars on campus, or it could be with my team as a student ambassador, uh, working at events, talking about your life um, as an Imperial student. and Many of our students do work during the holiday times and, and 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 balancing that experience. But you don't want to push yourself too much, especially in your first year when you're finding your feet, you're meeting new people. It's important to to look at your budget realistically and, and come prepared just so you don't have that that pressure when you're starting to to immediately find a job and, and balance work life um, and your academics.
0: I think it's it's a very good point because uh, if if you spend too many hours working in your your job, then perhaps your academics might suffer. Um, Now, some students will also be familiar with the system in the United States where there's a lot of financial aid available. Could you tell us uh, what financial aid is available at Imperial?
1: Yes, and again, it's it's separated into the the kind of the home students and international support. So, if you are a home student, there are bursaries available um, as long as the overall income uh, household income is under sixty thousand. Uh, this is between um, two to five thousand pounds a year. For international students, it is it, it is a little different. And in terms of scholarships, it is for undergraduate students, um, quite limited to the partial scholarships and they are usually merit based. Um, It will be depending on the courses that you're applying to or the curriculum that you're studying. Uh, We have a partial scholarship for um, uh, available for students taking the IB, um, a partial scholarship. What I my biggest tip for students who are investigating this is to really look as early as possible. You'll find that universities will have um, internal scholarships, but universities also like Imperial will also be on lists for government, British Council um, scholarships So really doing your research about what is available if you were looking to study Um, a subject, factoring in um, your country of domicile, where you're from, Um, it it is about researching what is available.
0: Okay, Sarah, now international students uh, will need to get a visa, a student visa to study in the UK. Can you talk about the process that they have to go through to get this visa?
1: Yes, so we get a lot of questions about this especially quite early on in the application process, but the processing of the visa actually doesn't start until you hold an unconditional offer from a university. So once you have received and you've met all the conditions, you've achieved the grades um, to secure that unconditional offer, that is when the visa process starts. Now we have a fantastic team at Imperial, the International Student Support Team, who once you've met all those conditions will start the process to issue a CAS number, which is then the number that you will be required to put on the visa uh, information to start that process. But we do have a dedicated team to help support you through this, um, through this process.
0: I I think it's worth pointing out that the British universities um, always have people who who will be there to help and advise you with with the whole visa process. Um, Another question I get asked is, uh, you know, can I stay on in the UK and work after I've graduated? Um, can, Can you talk about that?
1: Yeah, and it's, it's a really exciting development, especially for, you know, international students. So if you've studied, um, if you're studying an undergraduate degree uh, through the graduate worker worker route, you can now live work in the UK without requiring that sponsorship for up to two years. Um, It's three years if you continue on and do your your PhD. So, that's a really exciting development, not needing that sponsorship. It does give students that flexibility to work for a startup, work for um, a large multinational uh, company, or as more and more imperial students are doing, is actually carving their own path and starting their own company. So, it just gives students that, that time those two years to take advantage of the career services that are offered through through the university and and live and work in in the country that they've been studying in.
0: Now students uh, applying to Imperial will presumably be applying to other British universities and uh, just as a note here you're allowed to apply to five different courses in the UK through a central system called UCAS so we've made a, a podcast episode on that. Um, but when students are researching which universities to apply to uh, and they're considering Imperial, what would you say are the strengths of Imperial?
1: Oh, the strengths, I mean, for students who are really looking to implement their ideas into the real world, we have those facilities. We have the, the the researchers, the academics to support you in turning your vision into a reality. I think what we're seeing more and more is that innovation and entrepreneurship across the board is really propelling students into a new realm. And our enterprise lab, which I think is one of the most fantastic facilities for students to get involved in, in terms of mentorship and um, shadowing uh, development of ideas patenting contractual advice is if you have an idea if you have a passion for an area of stem or business Imperial can really propel that in in ways that you can't imagine and I think it's such an exciting place to be if you do have those 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 kind of uh, passions and, and and, um, and focus. It just is such an incredible place to be for, for those students.
0: Now, parents uh, are always interested to know um, where students go on and work after they've graduated and, and also what, what the graduate uh, uh, employability rates are. Perhaps you could talk about that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and in, in rankings, we've been highly commended for um, our career prospects and where students are are ending up it's it's fantastic and as i mentioned many of our students go into to top companies whether that be consulting firms like goldman sachs or whether it be um, formula one dyson uh, british airways um, whether they're going to work in various space station for various space stations but again that community is 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 building startup companies. You know, I was just reading about um, an alum who's from mechanical engineering, started up a, a koala, the prosthetics company. And and the the level of innovation that our students are creating th- those companies for themselves um, and, and putting products onto the market is amazing. But Yes, the, the the graduate prospects in terms of, of, of where Imperial students and how they do. We are world leading and, and, and one of the best for this in, in the country.
0: It sounds like Imperial is really setting students up for future success. Sarah, I'm convinced I want to come to Imperial, but how do I maximise my chances of being accepted?
1: I think... As with with, you know, making any choices, especially with higher education, is, is doing that research. OK, if, if Imperial sounds like a place that you, a community that you could thrive in, do that research into that course. Look at what we offer, the modules that we offer and really start exploring. And as we mentioned earlier, reflecting on your passion and interest within that realm. Our academics have spent their lives focusing in these areas of research and they really want to know why are you interested in that as well? So once you figure out the course that interests you, once you figure out the university that interests you, if it is an institution like Imperial, make sure that you reflect on how you got to this point and your interest going up. into higher education and how you've demonstrated that because our academics are really going to want to see that passion and how you've demonstrated that in your your activities outside of um, your academics.
0: Um, Can you just briefly describe the actual application process?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So as you mentioned, um, with most UK universities, it is um, we accept our applications through UCAS, so that centralized system where you have up to five course choices and you'll be building, uh, you'll be implementing your personal information um, and also very key is putting it together that personal statement. So that personal statement which will have will be a reflection of of why you're looking to study that subject and that really that academic focus. We recommend, you know, 75 to 90% of your personal statement should be around why you're interested in studying that subject and what you've done to demonstrate that passion. And then 10 to 25% should be around the extracurricular activities and the skills that you've um, you've gained from that. Again, that reflection, even from those extracurricular activities. What you want to move away from is that kind of shopping list of of achievements. I've won this competition. I've taken part in this award. I've done this. That's great, but really reflect on the most important achievements and it put that into the personal statement. So once our admissions have seen from the UCAS application that you've met the grade requirements, met or exceeded the grade requirements in terms of the predicted grades, we're then going to be looking at your personal statement. Hopefully your teachers or counsellor have written a a strong reference that demonstrate you in the classroom and how you excel in in areas of, of, uh, of subjects that you're applying to do at university. And from this, some departments will be able to make an offer, but many of the The departments, many of the courses at Imperial do require either an internal admissions test or and or an interview as well. And this is just a chance for academics to get to know you more and for you to know the department as well. They're going to be wanting to ask you questions about why you want to study the course, uh, perhaps some problem solving questions, really just wanting to know how you work through problems. They may not expect you or need you to get the, the the right or perfect answer, but they do want to know how you think, how you approach problems. If you're given new information, how do you use that new information? And all through this process it is just about finding that that right fit. And hopefully after the interview you think, oh, this is really exciting and that I can't wait to kind of engage in this level of of, of problem solving and 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 you know research. Or or you might think, OK, actually, a better institute, you know, uh, an institution might be uh, a better fit for me. All throughout this process, it is about for both yourselves as a student and the institution, finding that perfect relationship and, and finding a place where you're going to thrive. And, and we look at the, the personal statement and then the interviews and admissions tests as, as a way of, of trying to, to to figure that out.
0: Now, in some parts of the world, it, it, it's quite normal or accepted that uh, a student will apply through an agent rather than just through the college council at their school. Um, if a student goes down this route, does it improve their prospects of being accepted?
1: No. So we are looking, we, so at Imperial, we don't work with any agents. Um, we are assessing that application that comes through UCAS on an equal level. We are through your personal statement, through your teacher's reference, we want to see why you are the best applicant. We don't give any preference to to students who have come through agents, nor do we um, uh, take those applications at at, at any disadvantage. Any application that we receive by the deadline um, is looked at through equal consideration um, and given that kind of opportunity.
0: Now, Sarah, we've run through a lot of very, very interesting information about Imperial, and I'm sure the listeners now have a, a very positive view of, uh, of your university. Um, in case there was something that was not addressed here in the podcast episode, um, who should they contact at Imperial if they have any questions?
1: So both our international and UK team are happy to answer any questions. Um, So on the website, we have the the specific people to contact. So uh, it would be me for South Asia and the Middle East. And all of our contact information is available on the Contact Us uh, pages for the UK and international team. Uh, I promise we're a friendly bunch. Uh, If you do have any questions, we really welcome any anything to, to be sent directly to us
0: thank you um, sort of finally is there anything that you would like to add that we haven't covered so far in this episode
1: I think my my final thing is just enjoy the process as much as possible I know it can be an incredibly overwhelming uh, process for students there are so many fantastic choices of institutions not only in the UK but also internationally but trust me it's worth it when you find that institution when you find that course after the research it's going to be worth it because you will find that that perfect fit for you but enjoy the process enjoy thinking about what you're passionate about and and really follow what you enjoy. I think, again, there's so much pressure for students to be achieving the best grades and to be going on to the best university with the best ranking. But enjoy what you're studying, because that's what's going to take you and make you successful. And, you know, universities like Imperial are going to welcome that love and welcome that passion. And if it's if it's not Imperial, it'll be another fantastic institution. But really follow that that passion and that love because academics, researchers and and your peers will also recognize that. Um, so that would be my advice is, is to enjoy the process and, and and enjoy thinking about that next step.
0: I always tell my students that, that they should uh, try and enjoy their university years as much as possible. And I think that really means sort of finding the right fit for, for the individual person. Um, now, Imperial, of course, is a very competitive university. And students will need to have a plan B. We've already mentioned in the centralized British system called UCAS, you can apply to five courses or five universities. Now, um, is there any, any other institution that you would recommend a student to have as their plan B, just in case they can't get into Imperial, either a British university or in some other country?
1: That's a tough question because there are so many fantastic institutions and it really does depend on what the student is looking to specialise in, because, you know, a strength at, at, at one university might not have, you know, as strong a, a, a mechanical engineering, I, I really would just recommend that that research and that one listing that one institution is so is so difficult because there are just so many and we collaborate with so many in london and internationally um what i would say is you know institutions like imperial which are specialist are very different to um our counterparts in 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 the States, which give you that flexibility to do majors and minors in different disciplines. And whilst you're going through the process of, of figuring out which country or curriculum to, that you'd, you're going to best thrive in, is thinking about the specialism that, that is obtained through a university like Imperial and thinking, OK, but it, would I prefer, you know, the flexibility of doing uh, double majors or, or arts um arts and humanities along with the sciences so it, it is working out which style of university is going to be the best fit for them.
0: Sarah you've you've given us a lot of food for thought today and, and, and a very positive view of Imperial um, and for that we're very grateful and I would just say to the listeners you know when you're looking around uh, thinking about applying to universities you know as Sarah says do your research carefully do your thinking and figure out you know, what's the best possible fit for you. So finally, then that was Sarah Roberts, Senior International Recruitment Officer for Imperial College London. Thank you so much, Sarah. And goodbye. Thank
1: you so much, Jeremy. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to subscribe and share the Find Your Best Future podcast.